Welcome um, to Return to Form. Uh, we are back in the visual mode. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you'd like to see what's going on, uh, you can go to our YouTube, uh, Return to Form Pod, as we are on all uh, all, all streaming uh, platforms, handles. HBO, Max. Russia, it's called uh, Max today. now. Yeah, that's true. Um, yes, to th- so today, uh, as the title will no doubt suggest, we are talking about the best films of 2023, the films we think you really should run and not walk towards. Do you feel it's been a good um, good year for film? I think it's been a very good year for film because I think um, we tend to inhabit this position as naysayers, uh, doom, doom, doom scrollers, doom scrollers, doom viewers. Uh, I think we've said many times that you know film is so over. Um, maybe. I think because we've had a certain attitude towards newness and new releases, I think this was one of the first years where we really wrapped our mouths around every new release yeah. of substance anyway. So like, you know, every going to like two, three film festivals helped. So mm. we were like in the in the kind of bleeding edge of just absorbing everything. And I think yeah. I was much more like much not like that I've been dismissive in the past, but I was like much more open to and I'm uh, so it's hard for me to say whether this year was like uniquely mm-hmm. but I think there was a lot of interesting filmmaking this year and surprising filmmaking. Just gonna adjust the light, carry on. Yeah, adjust the light, adjust away. Um so I think there was a lot there were a lot of surprises. Um I think I- yeah, and so I think actually writing the top ten, which is what you know I started doing last week was in some senses like easier and more difficult than I thought it would be easy because yeah. it was easy to fill it with 10 you know I wasn't struggling at number 7 thinking this this is this is tapped out and done yeah it was difficult in a way as well because there were so many things that didn't quite make it you know there were, there were the exclusions in there just you know there you really had to kind of you know comb your brain to mm-hmm. to really decide which ones were the 10 it wasn't a, it wasn't a struggle to hit 10 i think the nice yeah mm. the nice thing is that the honorable mentions the things that got left out were also yeah. very good every film in our top 10s of films we feel uh personally uh, strong and, and passionate about yeah really and big time passion is is our is our um, and we're really diverse as well like the actual it's not like all of these films hitting the same register they're all very very different so uh, you know, even within the top five, there's not much that really connects them <laughs> in s- in spirit or tone or form or theme. Um, it's my birthday today. So it is. Happy birthday. Thank you, man. Um, um, so we 18, have so Ralph can drink tonight. <laughs> He's going to be celebrating. He's going to be buying knives and fireworks. Um, um, let's have a look at this. Back I right. am uh, I'm 29, which oh is uh, is wild. Uh, this, this cake is a sort of Japanese cake oh, wow. um, that my flatmate Ollie got for me. Incredible. Wait, this is an unboxing. Um, <laughs> it really is an no, unboxing. Un- unboxing. Yeah, um, this is like an Eric Roma box set mm. in cake form. Mm. Um, yeah, we've got layers. We have got layers. So film this year was in much like this cake. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a kind of fruity top. Yeah. Uh, emblem, em, you know, sort of there was a sort of fruity top and then there was like a kind of serious but stodgy middle. Mm-hmm. You know, good, quali- high quality and lots of like cream pies in yeah, between yeah. Oh, that kept okay. us, you know, kept us going. Yeah. I'm just going to dig into this. Um, yeah. Um, yes, don't be shy. Oh, I'm quite hungry. Actually. Is this a mukbang? No. Um, a big old Ice cream's so good. <laughs> well, muk- uh, you know what a mukbang is. It's TikTok. like a Korean TikTok. Well, pr- oh. I don't think it's Josh. Where the woman just like gets emojis and has to like respond to them. No, no. A mukbang is um, precedes that, predates that. So we're doing like media, the media mm. sphere in a wider sense now. So mukbang precedes that. It's a Korean mm. thing where people just consume a voluminous amount of food on camera oh right right, right very right, rarely right. is it fat people it's often like conventionally attractive korean women and sometimes right. men um bashing carbs into their face bashing like yeah you know not necessarily not strictly sort of like korean food but maybe fast food or whatever as well no, no need to give away one of mm. your top 10 films <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, um so the way we're going to do this is we're yeah. going to initially um uh wax moderately lyrical about this the honorable great, mentions um, mm. films which we uh, thought Gosh. were nearly mm. good enough to be. Um, so let us let us commence. Uh, oh, and then just sorry, the content table of mm. contents. Here. Then we will run rattle through our top tens individually, yeah. but we'll alternate yeah. um, to get down to that number one spot. And then we will the final uh, the final kind of section of the show will be us uh, giving a kind of. V- uh, editable recap 
that will become the TikTok that promotes this episode, mm. where we sort of come up with a top five that we both agreed to. Uh, the party line. The party line, yep. exactly. Yep. The manifesto for mm. what you should have been watching this year. Uh, we'll carve it into stone. Like exactly. Ed yep. Ed Stan. Yes, exactly. Um, so uh, let's talk about the, the honourable mentions. Yes. Um, Trenke Laukin we both uh, watched. Right, you jumped right in. Yeah, mm. Trenke Laukin, uh, Argentinian Laura film by Laura Citarella. Mm. People have been really into this film. And Cahir, this is this is this is one. top of Cahir's number list. one. So Cahir to cinema for those okay. Cahir to cinema. It's like the sort of like the 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 sort of like big daddy of of serious thick film journals, you yeah. know, French. So Godard famously wrote for for and it was edited it's by like French sa- sight and sound. Serge Danet, yeah, but, good, but a lot more like theoretical chops. Yeah, like it's a really serious magazine. So each year when their top ten comes out, people often it's often a bit odd there's something a bit strange about it they will they've often like celebrated directors who don't get as much of a showing so like was specification the number one last it year? was yeah it was very high up there which didn't really get up at Sarah's specification you know they 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 controversially put um uh lynch's mm. twin peaks season three on it like a few years ago like four years ago whatever um you know because they considered it worthy as a, a kind of cinematic object or whatever fuck um and this year they put trinke lauken as their as their n- n- numero uno um uh, film so this is uh, a two a two-part chilean argentine argentine film mm-hmm. um uh argentine film um which is really uh the words you see it described as a kind of labyrinthine it's a missing persons mystery it shifts register quite a lot um so mm-hmm. the the mode it begins in is of a sort of noir missing person very mm-hmm. flat very gray very somber and it quickly the missing person story gets becomes missing in a way mm-hmm. and nested in all these other revelations um i yeah so w- w- why why do you diverge from kahir why do you think it's like good but not good enough what's the what's um the i think it's a bold and exciting pitch but uh i think once you realize that it's a shaggy dog that it doesn't go anywhere um it's neither sort of wacky enough to um to sustain that um uh, the meanderingness of it, nor is it like thrilling and urgent enough to just be thrilling and urgent and gripping. And the central character, she is sort of, you know, she's she is bewitching, um, but only in contrast to everyone else who's very unbewitching on the whole. It very, it's um, the, the 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 casting isn't particularly fantastic. I think, um, unfortunately, like he, like you said, with these um, long sorry, shaggy. Sorry, I have to interrupt this. Oh Keith is at the back. Keith. Keith. Well, he said he'd come early, but I didn't think he'd come this early. This is this is several hours, so I'll, I'll fill uh, listeners or watchers in. We might cut this out. So it's Rouse's birthday party tonight, um, uh, which starts at eight pm and continues after eight pm. Um, Keith seems to have arrived th- three and a half hours early. I'll just sit here now. We're gonna have a moment of contemplation. Yeah, we're still recording. Okay. So Trenke Laukin. Trenke Laukin. Continue. You were saying that, yeah, that, so there were certain characters who were not, uh, yeah, who who needed to have sufficient gravity to pull the film yeah. along and it needed to be, it, it did kind of lean into a certain weirdnesses as the film progressed. Yeah. There was an introduction of a kind of um, uh, xenomorphic, strange kind of, crypto like cryptozoology there's a cryptozoological creature at the end but the way it was introduced was well not strange enough you know it was quite matter of fact that there was something strange it's going a bit on later it. in the day and i suppose there's the disadvantage yeah. of having a film that's like four hours long the yeah. advantage is that you get to really be in a world for a long t- time yeah. but that isn't that in itself isn't quite enough to um conjure. admirable structurally i think but maybe there were two mi- there were moments where it was more compelling there's certain devices there's a kind of mini thriller in the midst of it where they are uncovering a story of this this doomed romance through these letters that are yeah. covered in book hidden in books in this kind of in a way that's quite reminiscent of 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 um Umberto Eco or something. It's kind of quite lit it's quite literary. It's interesting. It's, it's quite compelling. It's like a nicely sort of digitalish It's very digital actually that I quite enjoyed. Yeah, it's at times it felt a little bit like uh careless in a cinematographically and then it would suddenly like the final twenty, which was mm. a real slog, but it was like the the best shot mm. suddenly becomes it looks like a regadas mm. film suddenly at the end um 
you know just in terms of these kind of yeah wide, too little too late really you know, with the ending actually yeah yeah, yeah. It, um, it was yeah it just like i really admire it but for me i don't i think there was there were way uh stronger films and i think length and difficulty mm-hmm. is not you know doesn't earn you you know i i feel like uh Cahier have been hoodwinked a little bit by yeah by the pretensions of a film like this that's my um, feeling, yeah. But you know, they, they was it an aggregate review? Did they like? Was it taken I from? Don't I assume it's like an editorial right, board decision? Because you know, it's an extraordinary, like f- and it's good to have like to not just do an aggregate, a, yeah. Because otherwise, like it's good to have an idiosyncratic mm. number one. Um, because I can't believe like hunt, like fifty critics put that as their number one. That would be like insane. no, it's good. It's good. Like I, I think if you are going to watch it, probably watch it in a cinema. I think yeah. I find it quite hard going at home because it was yeah. it's not you know insufficiently captivating. I think maybe a cinema. Also, um, maybe I'll give it some additional points for Fat Lionel Messi. Oh yeah, uh, one <laughs> of the characters, Chico, the character. So he's this this sullen, chubby ginger, chubby ginger guy. Argentine guy who's the driver of uh, of of the main character. Just does look like a sort of a beast. Uh, we'll probably pull up a picture of Lionel Messi and <laughs> Chico Can't here at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Your <laughs> expectation of my uh, editing, uh, editing uh, prudence. Um, um, any other honourable mentions on your side? I have a couple. Yeah, I think Tina Satter's reality. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have been Which we well. saw at Berlinale. It was yeah. the first film we saw at Berlinale earlier in a year. Um, I think we both raved about it at the time. There's not really yeah. much more to say, but it was you know really tightly made. Had some faults mm-hmm. uh, with like certain editorial flourishes that it made towards the end where yeah. it became quite it did a bit those. of the foley dipping actually which we talk oh, about across the year one of the kind of disadvantages yeah. of of films that are often otherwise quite uh tense mm. overplay their hand a little they try too hard we did a whole tiktok about this actually yeah um, um w- which leads me on and it established sydney sweeney as a you know, serious, serious talent. talent. Serious talent. Um, she's, Robert she's not just a pretty. Uh, um, um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. How to have sex would actually be another. Um, you didn't, didn't see, see this, but um, an honourable mention. It's not. It's not quite good enough to be um, a British film uh, to be in my top ten. But mm. it. Uh, it is. Um, yeah, it, it's it's well you made. It. It's yeah. well made. It's very moving. Mm. It's surprisingly undogmatic, despite the title. Um, I the hope title is so like, it's like <laughs> so it's nice. how yeah, titles yeah, yeah. are made now. It's like how why I hate you, details. or like how to. It's like it's it's all these bo- all these films are kind of written like sort of like popular sort of zeitgeisty literary texts that mm-hmm. are doing really well on the shelves with kind of like mm-hmm. pop, you know, sort of Otessimus Fege style, you know, covers and names. And it's like, why I need to kill you and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I Will Destroy You was like the oh first yeah, kind of early... Xavier Dolan's How I Killed My Mother. Or yeah. no, I, so yeah. that needs to stop next year. People need to stop giving their films shit titles. Um, but mm. you know, what's in a title? Actually, quite a lot is in a title. I feel Loach. like a title is kind of a mission statement. But Trinket Alken is a great title, actually. Fantastic title, mm. not so good film. Yeah. Um, but good enough for us to discuss it. And I think it's a good mm. effort. And that's what Honorable Mentions are for, aren't they, ultimately? Films that really have to be mentioned, but don't have that kind of seal of quality. They don't have that, yeah. That, that. Mm. Are we then ready to jump into... Oh, there there um, might be other Honorable Mentions. Uh, one thing while you're thinking about that, I'll, I'll just quickly say is... Um, you know, a lot of films are basically released at different times. And so our top 10, just a caveat, like we may review things that haven't come out yet. Or te- technically might have come um, out last year. But or technically yeah. may have come out last year. So we're sort of, we're, we're taking a, a kind of, we didn't do one last year. And we're taking a bit of a, a, a broad scoop. Because um, there are films that came out in Cannes last year, we're, we're overspilling the vessel slightly exactly, of yeah, the year, yeah. the, it, which is why which everyone know, does, by the way. Every critics, everyone, sh- every critics list is just like because like the 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 way films are programmed, it's like really arcane and very confusing. Mm. If you're not really up to date with your idea around like um, programming and distribution, yeah. how it works, like it's quite hard to date a year. It's like dating in a, a dinosaur bone. It's actually quite mm. difficult to do. Um, which is why you know you might arguably say, well, you know a film like Pacification by Albert, Albert Serra kind of does feel like a sort of that 2023 film. Yeah, For yeah. me, I don't think it's close enough, but it, it kind of does make my, my expanded 2023 top yeah, 10. Yeah. But it would have um, been in your top 10. Because I, I fuck it. I, I know you're not as hot about Albert Serra, but I love Albert Serra. I'm not well, I'm not well enough uh, briefed to, okay. to even say anything about Albert Serra, but I just mm. tried to watch Pacification and I wasn't in the mood. Um, yeah, yeah, it's quite, it's quite, it's got quite a slippery surface, but it becomes mm, good. What is, um, what is number ten? For me on okay. your list. Fuck. All right, so we're going into it. We're getting into the zone, to the zone of interest. <laughs> Fuck, I just lost my um, 
my uh, list. Hold on. I did the useful thing of posting it on that. So it's already been spoiled in a way because I posted about it on Twitter. But um, uh, hold on. Let me zoom down. Okay. So for me, it was. So I've switched some things around, but I think for me, it will have to be. <laughs> um, it's going to have to be Totem by Laura Alviles. Oh, yes. Um, who's a, a, a Mexican filmmaker. Yeah. Um, oh, this would have been one of my honorable mentions, but carry really on. Really interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. Totem, really uh, intimate, um, sort of quite unsteady, uneasy, not close, moist even film. It's quite alienating about uh, the night of a birthday party of a, of a man who's, who's, who's mortally ill, um, you know, sort of stage four, you know, last legs. Mostly seen through the eyes of his daughter. It's set in this kind of middle class house in, in, in Mexico somewhere. Um, it's not really important. Sonography isn't really important. It's shot. It's really in. It feels like one-one ratio almost. You know, it's shot really very close immersive. up, very immersive, yeah. very up close. Lots of, you know, obstructive blocking. Um, it feels chaotic in a way that you know the child on the cusp of realizing, you know, confronting mortality would feel. You know, yeah. sort of something she's aware that something's wrong. Um, but everyone is putting on a brave face. Her, her deeply sick father as well. It kind of reminded me of um, a film like Playground. Mm-hmm which we always gas up loads, um, you know, this ability to show a, uh, you know, a story from a children's perspective. But it's something that France, well, that's actually a Belgian film, but you know what I mean? Gallic, the Gallic world does yeah. really well because, you know, it's like um, uh, Jean Vigo, Zero Par Conduit, you know, great mm-hmm. film about child childhood rebellion, uh, Abel Gantz, like the snowball mm-hmm. fight scene in yeah. Napoleon, like, you know, the French really get like... When you say France by Bruno Dumont, you don't mean the news reading... I didn't mention Bruno Dumont. I meant France in general. Oh, sorry, the France French people. And but then you said Belgium. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah okay, only yeah, yeah. because I think uh, Playground is a Belgian film. Oh, Playground. Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yes, Playground, fantastic. But also film. like uh, Bruno Dumont with Concon, like the French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what really, I thought you might have been. Yeah, they're really yeah, yeah. good at like um, expressing the world from a, a child's perspective yeah. as they're on the cusp of like encountering, you know, adult mysteries. Whereas um, all the British films about children are just horrifically sentimental. Ah, uh, cares. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I thought Totem was was stunning. Like. Really immersive, short, tight film, you know, 90 mm. minutes, like perfect, no fat on it, but just like really, really captivating for me. Beautiful. Um, mm. My number 10, uh, we might breeze past it because I suspect it's probably on your list. Uh, Zone of Interest mm-hmm. by Jonathan Glazer. Is that, yeah, will that be list. coming up later? Yep. We'll discuss it when we do. Uh, shall I just do my number nine? Yep. Um, number nine on my list is Showing Up by Kelly Reichardt. Okay. Didn't make my top ten. Didn't make your top ten. So this stars. Um, I'll go into a little bit. Well, we can't. We don't have time to go into much detail on any of these films. But um, we haven't done a review of this film. It's very good. It's kind of a return to form uh, <laughs> for <laughs> Kelly Reichard. Um I wasn't the hugest fan of First Cow. Um, it's a film about a sculptor uh, who is Michelle Williams. Who's played by Michelle Williams. She has a neighbour who's also her landlord, who is a rather more perky. Um, and successful and successful yeah. uh, artist uh, they have a kind of rivalry and also obviously a kind of landlord tenant relationship which is mm. uh, causes much tension uh it's sort of set within an art student art college environment um real departure for for Kelly Reichardt yeah and it's a sort of film about about making not filmmaking but about making um making work and, and I, I think it's about Kelly Reichardt yeah, it's more, it's know. like that autobiographical mm. artist's film about artists, um, but it's just done in a way that's very uh, lovable and human and sweet and mm. reminds me of like her really oldest work, uh, Old Joy, um, and sort of some of the, yeah. It, ta- it taps into that, that, that great strain of uh, American independent filmmaking, like Sean Baker, mm-hmm. whatever, which is deeply American, yeah, um, but isn't leaning into the worst. Ex- it's not trying to be the new Hollywood, yeah. nor is it trying to be... Um, Humble in like European art house filmmaking, yeah, yeah. it's its own thing, and it's really successful. And I think there's a great thing in uh, what I really liked about the film is it's shot, shot film. Yes, I think, and it's a ray. I think the film works for it, and I think what it what it uh, gives it this kind of homespun sculptural mm-hmm. thing. It speaks well to the material that you know they were all these people are working with. But um, what I really liked about it is you know Kelly Reichardt is famously known for a very poised composed camera and they're, they're still in present it's still in, in in on display in this film but there'll be moments where she does these amazing like 
these kind of slightly messy zooms mm. and pans. She'll pan up to a window, then slightly kind of mm. jump into the zoom with it a little bit, and then we'll we'll be in the room itself. And it's like such so like a embrace of the sculptural and the kind of uh, mm. the the amateurish in a way. Like mm-hmm. it, it has a sculpture approach to its own material, which I thought was really good. And I thought this kind of conflict between uh, Michelle Williams' character and her landlord rivals' friends' uh, characters, like she does, really poppy, bright, mm. fun, easy, breezy works whereas Ke- the michelle williams sculptures are very factual and mm-hmm. and, and stark in a way so the what well, you know this is obviously like a, it feels like a sort of like little comment on kelly reichardt's own filmmaking between yeah. the, the 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 kind of meeks cutoff very spartan and alienating and dry and harsh and then yeah. very kind of fun which is what this film is so maybe it feels like a departure for her i think Definitely, yeah. and um, she's made she's tried a lot of things out. Actually, she, she does have an inimitable style, but mm. she's sort of made this sort of environmental, this sort of uh, proto how to blow up a pipeline environmental <laughs> uh, terrorism thriller. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's made sort of like social realism with Wendy and Lucy. She's yeah, she's an historical drama with First Cow. Um, she has a distinctive style, a distinctive way of composing shots that's understated but very um, mm. recognizable and beautiful. This feels like maybe my favorite of her films. Partly, yeah, I guess sure. the subject matter is just very rich and exciting. Um, also, like Andre 3000's in it, and he's fantastic in it. He's really good. Um, yeah, yeah. Lots of good characters. Lots of good casting overall. Lots There's also good like zany side characters as well. It's yeah. like it, it. It. It's sort of like a. It feels like a Cohen film, if the Coens weren't the Coens. Yeah. In a way. There's something about the characterization. Hipster Coens. Hipster <laughs> Coens. Yeah. It's like uh, a yeah. craft Cohen. Yeah. Um, there's just something about these kind of like, you know, if I, I'm, when I say the Coens, I mean more like in a sense of, you know, sort of Fargo or something, you know, these, mm. these slightly kind of zany homespun rural characters, yeah, like yeah. the way they're introduced feels kind of Coen-esque, but in a, in a less annoying way, maybe. What's your nine? My nine is, again, it's a film that I feel like just kind of slips over the barrier, but uh, is, is uh, Alan's Worth by James Benning. Oh, great. Yeah, great film. Which, you know, I want to honor rep the experimental films in this, yeah. but I mean, we we spoke about a time, you know, there's you can go back and look at our review about it, but it's, you know, it's classic Benning, which is a study. It's a landscape study. It's a portrait of America. Um, you know, we, uh, it, it's different from the United States of America, the the two ni- United States mm-hmm. of America he's made. It's it's not a funny film. It's a serious mm-hmm. film. Um, there's still humor in it. Uh, it's about this this co- this, this this township in, in, in California called uh, Allensworth, which was a majority uh african american mm. uh neighborhoods um for for much of the 20th century um early 20th century in america um and it's just it's an interesting way for him surfacing uh overt political concerns and issues mm-hmm. into his filmmaking um and it's very beautiful and like i said it does have these little humorous moments um even despite its subject matter i thought it was just like i i, re- I really really want to like gas up filmmaking that does that like there's you know because he's the last of the really active um mm. you know sort of experimentalists in america the american avant-garde tradition you know there's some still alive like larry Gottheim's still alive but you know these people are very old and they're mm. not really making film anymore but you know um he's c- such a don and he's still making film mm. um and i thought it was extraordinary a real like uh, thinker um so yeah that's why it's in my top 10 yeah, I thought it was a fantastic structure, uh, sort of structural, structural film. film. Yeah, it deviates slightly from the structural premise in a in in an f- interesting and quite politicized way. But yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's it's clearly a master at work, um, and yeah, great, great that his films keep getting shown. Okay, what's your? Let's take us to our, our eighth. Yes, my eighth is the Sweet East by Sean, Sean Price, Price Williams. Williams. Mm. Um, this should probably be further up, actually. But no, look, there's some quite good films further up from it. So, yeah, this film, this is like... This feels like one of the most important films of the year, but I don't think it's the best film of the year. Mm. Um, it's a very high-energy, um, rich-with-caricature portrait of contemporary America and its, like, uh, struggles with its past, I guess. Mm. Um Talia Ryder, this new, uh, new uh, young up-and-coming actor, stars in it as eventually an actor. Uh, it's a film that reflects on the filmmaking process, as we've discussed this year. Many of the best sort of indie products coming out of America have this mm. self-reflexive quality. Um, 
Yeah, it's shot in a very exciting uh, Viral Cassavetian fashion. Great. Um, I didn't see it. This is, this is why cameos. I'm silent, because I didn't see it, and I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, um, um, an unlucky... Uh, Scheduling, scheduling mm. uh, clash led to Owen missing out on this film, but um, it, it won't, and it won't actually be distributed in the UK. It seems Deep Into Movies are doing a screening next year, which we recommend you uh, go to. But it's are sort of being slept on, I feel, even though, and I think in a certain circles, it's obviously massively hyped. When is it? When is it being screened? At some point early next year, I think. Okay, I'm gonna go I see that. Know, but yeah, make sure you do. Um, yes, that's my eight. What's your eight? My eight is. Passages by Iris Axe. That mm. is on my list. So, so should we save it until we yeah. encounter each other? Do you want to go to your seven? Yeah. So my seven is... Okay. Sorry. Lots of uh, awkward phone wrangling right now. So my seven is... If only we had a printer. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be... We need an intern. To you're print, gonna, we, need, we need a list. PA, actually. Yeah. Um, you're gonna you're gonna find this really funny, but okay. uh, Hong San Su in water. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, fair I, enough. I'm the last person that I'd think of myself as being a Hong, a Hong San Su. So I've seen a decent Absolutely amount of Hong San Su. Completely ridiculous filmmaker. I think often quite bad, but I thought again, I want to gas up weird, slightly psychopathic shooting yourself in the foot formal experiments because yeah. the thing about in water is that it's mostly and it's a film about a film again, which mm-hmm. is the big trend that we're kind of picking up. But it's um, shot out of focus. Yeah. And it's such an interesting formal device uh, that goes back to Cocteau and it goes back to all sorts of like traditions like Gerhard Richter, uh, you know, artistically. There's um, even Andy Warhol has experimented, you know, experimented with his portraits in, in, in you know, his E.G. Sidrick film is, is mostly out of, out of focus. I think there's like a strong, there's a, there's a kind of horror in the age of digital filmmaking at mm-hmm. the idea of something being imperfect and being out of focus and i think someone who embraces he can only do this once this mm-hmm. isn't going to represent a, a you know a, a sea change in his filmmaking or anyone else's but i think it was interesting for someone to make a film that for the most part has a really shallow plane of focus so mm. it's not out of focus just yeah. the focus is very things move in and out yeah the focus is very very nearby to the but camera so occasionally people do are in focus but for the most part they're completely out of focus and i think i found it really it, it was a short film it's like 80 minutes or 70 minutes long it's an hour, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And it it's had like a real accidentalness about the focus thing. I love the amateurism. Yeah, amateur. Yeah. I really, I, bold, I, I love. Yeah, bold an- amateurism is really interesting, and I think um, as a reflection on this sort of slightly strained, this trio of people who are trying to shoot a film, which itself was very strained and awkward and uncertain, it kind of uh, embraced that formally. Yeah. You know, it would have been an un- uninteresting film if it was shot in focus, but because it was shot out of focus, it suddenly brought it to life in a really interesting way. So that is why I am, I'm. I, it's not like I've taken the Hong Sang Su Shahada and I'm now, no. now converted. <laughs> I'm not at all. <laughs> but I'm like, um, heady mix of cultures Hong Sang Shahada. Uh, mm-hmm. But I am now like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I respect his game and that's why it's on my uh, top 10. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, that was your number seven. Yeah, that's my number seven. My number seven, unfortunately, another film you haven't seen. May, yeah. December by yep. Todd Haynes. I'm going to see it soon. Uh, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. Uh, I did a review of this on the podcast, uh, which you can listen to. Uh, it's a people. There's a big debate going on at the moment about whether it's camp or whether it's melodrama. Um, I fall more on the melodrama side of things. I think it's quite nice to view. Like camp's dismissive, I think yeah. as well. It makes something seem, you know, frivolous. like a bauble and frivolous. Whereas melodrama is like in a Serkian tradition or whatever. Yeah. Like it's like it's it's got chops. It's right? Yeah, it's very it's very sincere mm. and like, uh, yeah, hardwired with with emotion and trauma and and yet there it is obviously very funny and absurd at many mm. points. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's another film about filmmaking. Um, it's sort of a f- about media frenzies, moral panics. Uh, the premise is this kind of age gap, a really, really sort of criminal, uh, I mean, li- just literally criminal age gap oh. romance that then blooms into something uh, more kind of uh, adult and, and, uh, and c- committed. Um, and loved it, very funny, broad appeal, I wouldn't think of anyone who I wouldn't recommend it to in a way. Wow. It's like just really a great two hours of your life. Your mama, your papa, yeah, girlfriend, everyone. your brother, your yeah, sister. It's not some pretentious eyebrow nonsense. Mm. It's it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um 
no, I don't. I don't think in those terms. But no, I would recommend that film to everyone. Um, okay. Next on the list, at number six for me. Mm-hmm. Inside the yellow cocoon shell, Fam Tian An. Blimey, well that's not on my list, or wow. or actually on my honourable mentions. But go, go off, King. Go off, King. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. It, it, it's a, I think um, with a film like this, a Southeast Asian film that is set mostly in the countryside and explores themes of death um, and probes the kind of liminal space around the you know the realm beyond death um, and spiritualism. Uh, and trauma, it you know you immediately think Pitchfork, philosophical, Avdias, and so on, and it's definitely in that tradition. Um, but I, I I think for me it was a really live film, uh, extraordinarily beautiful, but more documentarian. It was like the best things about early philosophical, uh, mysterious object at noon, which mm-hmm. is much more documentarian. So there's some great dialogues in there where uh, the main character who's gone back to the the, the countryside to sort of bury his sister, um, you know, talks to a sort of old man who's like a sort of Viet Cong vet, you know, he's mm-hmm. a Vietnam veteran, right? Like he's, uh, actually, no, I've got that wrong. He was with the NVA and North Vietnamese Army, I think, I can't remember, whatever. Um, but it, there's a kind of documentary element to it in terms of the observation, the ritual, um, a deep strangeness to it. Um, so it seemed like the best things about Vyas Ethical, um, mm. but was not Vyas Ethical. Mm. Use it, it more formally accomplished, I think, in a lot of ways, like, you know, more... Mm. Uh, some really interesting pans the segments that were set in the city were extraordinary mm. there's some great eroticism uh some s- strange shifting of time and place that happens um i thought yeah i thought it was a complete i was completely engrossed um for this very long film it's about three and a half hours long um so yeah for me it's like it, it scratches it's like a film that's like sort of like laboratory formed so yeah. whether i would think would go back to it in a few years i'll probably go back if i'm going to do anything and watch a various ethical film but I, I do recommend it for like the verisethical Southeast Asia slow cinema heads. I would definitely, yeah, I would definitely um, say uh, go. I would definitely say watch this, watch out for this director. Very promising. Mm. This is a debut. I, think. I yeah, yeah, I personally didn't. Uh, it got the, the the camera prize at camera door. Well. Very very striking imagery. <laughs> I just didn't like. Yeah, I I, w- I I sort of was with it and very excited, and then. I think it kind of lost me. I think I kind of came back to yeah. You kind of pull into to an hour. It. It's probably a little bit too long, to be honest. But yeah, mm. but an exciting, an exciting first effort. Yeah. Um, uh, and what do we have next here? My six. Mm-hmm. Close your eyes by Vitor Erife. Something tells me this will be on your list. So it is on my list. Yeah, we will go maybe to your number six. Okay. Uh, it'll be my number. Uh, 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 yeah. Well, it's it's a fire by Christian Petzold. That is higher up on my list, so mm. we will go we'll to wait. my number five, mm-hmm. which is One Fine Morning by Mia Hansen Love. Didn't make my didn't make was your that list. this year? Well, here's the thing: it came out in Cannes last year. Uh, so for me, it was uh, I discredited it, but I'm happy to talk about it because yeah. I think on, in an honorary sense, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, a fucking extraordinary, film. extraordinary film. <laughs> um, Again, a little bit like how I felt about Kelly Reichardt's showing up. Mm. Um, One Fine Morning felt like uh, a moment of arrival after a after a after a you know, with Reichardt, I said first cow with uh, mm. my Hanson love. Um, Bergman Island was Bergman Island was yeah. pretty disappointing. Um, but then on the other hand, you have uh, this amazing um, Les who is so incredible in it. Yeah, um, it's, it's 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 a real it's like a really a director understanding what they're good at um, and just doing it really committedly, really beautifully. Mm. Um, it has this amazing parallel. Uh, romance versus kind of moral dilemma around um, not dilemma exactly but just um, it's another dementia film about uh, the difficulties of, of growing old with uh, while uh, one's brain erodes mm. uh, and the strains that puts on the family uh, meanwhile a, s- a single woman uh, deals, a widower deals with um, a young widower deals with um Love and, and love and, and parenthood because she's a single mother. Yeah, uh, and the possibility of new love with mm. with someone who's who's uh, got a whole family. It's very himself. emotionally. It's a very emotionally wrought film. Yeah. Um, very patient, very observant, without being kind of obtrusive. You know, obtrusive in terms of how it's shot. You know, mm. Mia Hansen has always got this. this you know, she's not like 
a she's not going for bells and whistles formally no. in terms of how she shoots but she's not boring she's not a boring filmmaker in terms of she's very composed she puts a lot like Romer she puts a lot of thought into objects and the kind yeah, of the, the way production design is maybe more striking than the cinematography the colours you know how people dress is a lot about yeah. them yeah I think it's like I, I, I thought it was great yeah so spiritually it's on my top ten as well yeah yeah um, sorry, so I, yeah, mm. the, 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 the bracketing of, 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 of what's permissible in a top 10 has, yeah. has, fault, has uh, undermined you slightly. Uh, but there we are. We both got to celebrate it. One Fine Morning by Mihansen Love. Mm-hmm. Fantastic performances from, Mel- from Melvin Pooper, the daddy. Fr- uh, Gregory, Pascal Gregory, and uh, of course, Les Sedu. Um, yes, okay. strong recommend. Uh, so now four. to your five. What's your five? It would be my four, wouldn't it? What, what was your five? I've done one, two, three, four, five, six. I've done six. What was your five though? Wasn't that uh inside the yellow Oh my five is uh I did a fire. A fire. Oh a fire is your five. Yeah. I okay, so. well my four is a fire. So let's talk about a fire. Let's talk about a fire, yeah. Um Christian Petzold, massive return to form. <laughs> mm, <big laughs> After time. quite a dodgy few years, which you wouldn't expect him to come back from. He made some stinkers. Um, he made Phoenix, which was stinker. Like, this is someone we covered relatively recently. You know, we did a whole episode. A whole episode, you know, so you can go back and listen to that episode. But, you know, there was a period in the 90s um, where he was really exciting and really fresh mm. and really interesting um, in terms of his his kind of unpicking of, of sort of... St- the m- the modern project, I suppose, yeah. and kind of Mittel Europa and exploring mm-hmm. the kind of like the, the the kind of like barely sublimated traumas and the historical kind of like morass of Ger- the German past and the mm-hmm. European past as it is buried beneath kind of autobahns and service stations and supermarkets and all these things. And he was so good at kind of like creating explosive ruptures out of that. Um, this is amazing. I feel like yeah. you've summarized. Christian Petzold's aesthetic and subject matter so many times you've now been able to create like <laughs> the perfect tweet like version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like I've done Mittal Europa like supermarkets like, you've, no, like no, no. You've, you've honed it down. I've written about it so many times this is the thing. Um, but yeah, no. But yeah, and like but where, whereas a fire was like such a uh, it's not like those themes aren't there mm-hmm. but like that he ta- he's formally more exciting. He takes yeah. a lot of risks. Mm-hmm. He has for the first time like a really interesting character because he yeah. never used to have like his characters were kind of like noir characters. True, the like Nina Hoss was always this like kind of uncertain, mm. en- enigmatic figure rather than being. There was no way um, into him, Nina Hoss, in the films. You 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 empathise in so far. Know, I'm as getting a call from George Macbeth. Oh my god, better I'm answer because he's um. um uh, hello, you're live on uh, LBC. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. You're n- you're live on Return to Form. We're just recording an episode. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Um, are you outside? No, are you in it. Okay. okay, cool. George, yeah. George, maybe if you, for the listeners at home, could you maybe give your, your film of the year? Mm, it's not Trink, which I just finished. <laughs> sure, definitely not. <laughs> I, but that could be just responding to my circumstances. It's not very surprising, my friend. I think it's probably the dude still. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. <coughs> okay. Um, very good. We will. Um, are, you, are you coming later then? Are you, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm like. Take, but, um, take your time though, just like. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna head by a slab, uh, which still needs to be bombed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Very good. Um, all right. Uh, well, let us know when you're on route. Uh, I'm. Okay. okay, lovely. That's perfect. All right. Lots of love, man. Forza. Bye bye. Pizza. Pizza. Uh, George, for listeners, uh, um, has uh, had his appendix taken out in a Vietnamese hospital and just flew uh, from Hanoi to London. Consenting. Yeah. He consented to have his... Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so George, um, regular listeners of the show will know George from Beth, probably our most regular co-host, uh, very erudite mm. voice on uh, film <laughs> and many other art forms. <laughs> many, all of them, maybe. Uh, I feel like I'm um, giving a eulogy or something. Yeah, he's <laughs> but, still uh, alive. He is still alive. Um, he's just Thank, in Slough. Thankfully, but, yeah. um, which is as close to death as you can mm. get. Um, 
but yes, that, that was George. Um, we're, we're going for a bit more of a parasocial vibe with this episode. You really um, are. We're, we're letting people in. We're letting people yeah. in. Like, like a Christian Petzl with this film, because he gives yeah. Leon uh, gives us a really interesting, kind of tr- difficult, troubled figure. And you put it quite well. You said, you know, one of the great things about the film is that it kind of presents a, a, a morally ambiguous character that you can side with. And it's quite nice to have a kind of baddie goody in a film. Yeah, you know, and like, it's, it's interesting. I yeah. do think um, some of the best characters in films divide the audience in a way that doesn't put people off the film. But like yeah. I've had great conversations with people who think he's an absolute prick and people who are rooting for him throughout. Mm. Um, but yes, essentially, it's a, a beautiful film about not being in the moment, mm. not being like present with everyone else's like excitement or grief or, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I've never really seen a film that quite... Um, it manages to nail that. I think so. Showing up has a bit of that sort of interpersonal yeah, dynamic in it. Like Michelle Williams' character is, yeah. you know, a bit of a stuffed shirt, and, and yeah. Leon's character in this is someone who, in this, in in the case of pursuing his art, which is writing, mm-hmm. um, sacrifices lived pleasure yeah. in reality, and then an event happens in the course of the film, which is really disruptive, like really majorly, because mm. you know it's still a Petzold film. There's always like a rupture. There's yeah. a there's a sort of uh, there's a uh, a sort of psychic break in a film, yeah. um, which is often quite traumatizing and unexpected. You always, you know, it's going to happen with Petzold, but the way in which he does this, he kind of signals this thing is going to happen. Yeah, um, throughout the whole film, that something is on the horizon, literally, which is a forest fire. But how that's going to impact the story, we don't know. We think it's going to play a role in impacting the story, and it does. And it does it in such like a. It does it. You know, normally Petzold might have a a car accident or yeah. there'll be an explosion but here it's so much more strange and sudden and uh, really surprisingly sublime. unclunky yeah I, I it burns through the film yeah. it really does it's incredible it's really masterful um, yeah I loved it psychologically Absolutely. like um, and we don't always like center you know because our whole thing is form we don't always center like like excellent storytelling mm. and also there's like depiction of making art and failing to make art and like using the failure of making art as a kind of strength within the work it's mm. like there's a kind of um it's a, he's kind of comedic in a way he's like a sort of anti-hero comedy figure leon leon yeah. an extreme extraordinary creation but only uh strong because he's in counterpoint to these other very really alive very um lucid characters lucid. yeah it's very well put yeah. yes a fire fantastic so that was on mm. your number five and my number four yeah and so what is your number four <laughs> um it will have to be a f- it's from you have not seen which is uh samsara by lois ah. patinho um which again is like i guess reflecting a certain consideration of myself this year which is a sort of quasi ethno documentary mm-hmm. um uh, about the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and it sounds like whenever I mention Samsara the film to people, they think, "Oh, what that like film that people take Kesem into." It's like ten, fifteen years yes, old. Yes, please don't it's not um, that film. think that Owen is talking about that film, which wasn't even released this year. <laughs> no, exactly. This is this is a a new release by Luis yeah. Patino. Uh, it's set in. It has multiple locations. But has it actually been released in this country yet? No, it's been screened at festivals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I know. I'm not saying it isn't a film this year, but yeah. I'm just yeah, wonder, wondering if I can see I, it. I don't think it's received distribution yet. It's really like fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a documentary, but not. It's very strange. Again, it leans in that kind of Rhea-Sethicullian element, but again, it's mm-hmm. it's more, even more documentarian than, um, than that and more documentarian than Fan An, the N-Am. Um, it also has an extraordinary tunnel of death in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think seeing this in a cinema where for five minutes in the middle of the film, all you've got is a black screen and the buzzing of flies wow. is an extraordinary cinematic moment. Like, it was a real... Yeah, like lifetime moment for me because it's handled so well. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, y- you know, you you basically pass through the realm of death basically yeah. in this film, and it's handled so interestingly. It was such, it was so exciting to see it in Berlin, um, in the cinema and Kino International. Um, like one of my like all time viewing experiences in a cinema. I was seeing um, wow, this truly God, beautiful film. Um, yeah, really, really recommend it. So when it comes to if it comes to cinemas and it probably come, and they'll be like it'll be showing it. I'm sure like Curzon. Yeah, I bet it will show curse on Bloomsbury or somewhere like mm-hmm. that. Like, go and see it. Um, even if it's on a smaller screen, go and see it because it's a complete ride. It's really fun. Fantastic. Mm. My number three is Passages, 
uh, by Iris Sachs, which mm-hmm. I think was on your list um, at number six or seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, love. Um, very good film by Iris Sachs, a director that we still haven't even watched any of his other films. No. Um, a yank. Yeah, yeah uh, American yeah. director. Uh, the film is set in France. It's mm. got a, an amazing trio in a love triangle: Adela Pokopoulos, Franz Rogowski, and Ben, ben Whishaw, who has not been cast well. Uh, uh, not has been not it's not historically been cast nearly <laughs> as well as he is in this film, mm. uh, in our opinion. Um, but but Franz Rogowski is cast well in this film. He's not always he's he's, he's, also, not, he's also not cast well in uh, those Petzold films. I thought he was no, very he's, poorly he's, cast. He's yeah. poorly cast in those. He's he's, he's, he's perfect in this film. Adele is always cast well because she's just amazing, very, very good, incredible a, good actor. Uh, but I think I think yeah, R- Rogowski gets to lean into the thing, which is a bit of like a sort of tender brute, yeah, um, thin skinned, but you know, artistic person who's like extremely rizzy and charismatic, but petulant and difficult and cold. Yeah. And you know, he gets to you get to really, I think empathize with his 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 thuggishness and his sensuality in this film in a really exciting way because he is the heart of this film it's yeah. really a Franz Rogowski yeah, film yeah. and Adele X Apocalypse 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 now, apocalypse now. now. <laughs> uh, um, Adele plays a great um, you know counterpoint I to get. I get uh, she plays a, a great counterpoint to him you know sort of like uh, but another person who's like she she gets to be wounded in a really yeah interesting and way she's looking ben for Mitchell something wild wounded. and th- yeah. there's a the sense of a kind of roller coaster journey mm. uh you know the way that love is is irrational and mm. painful and sometimes people just want to be uh thrown around by it mm. you know i think it, it's a film that that like casts into sharp relief a lot of the trade-offs of of being human being creative um I think the characters, like I was saying about a fire, are characters that somewhat divide. I mean, most people probably agree that Franz Rogowski's characters are uh, like a bit of a sociopath and a bit of a narcissist. Mm. Um, but y- even so, you know, his his contours, his twists and turns, his allegiances uh, divide audiences. He's never brutal. He's just rough. I think in this film, he's just yeah. like in. He's sort of like, yeah, self-involved, but also mm. like it's a sort of utopian self-involvement that we can all somehow. Um, mm. you know the the, the 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 idea I wouldn't want to give up too much away if you haven't seen it but the idealism of his approach to love is like ends up being extremely cruel um, yeah it's, it's, it's unmoored from the the, the the daily humdrum reality exactly because there's a lot this film explores really well the kind of moments of, of you know uh, it gives us the passion but it also gives us the kind of the the, the yeah, the mundane, everyday mm-hmm. situation of, of, of living with somebody, loving somebody. And I think he's uh, very, the, the film Iris Sachs is very good at kind of pulling it out and kind of s- s- observing the ways in which kind of Franz Rogowski's character kind of like bashes against these things. Mm. He's a real bull in a china shop. Yeah. Um, and it's very exciting to watch this bull in his little sparkly string vest, you know, and his little tummy and his ridiculous outfits as he's kind of thrashing around these these domestic scenarios yeah. that the film sets up and it's like it's it's really compelling and it's like so beautifully made and very heartbreaking and um yeah. Fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, just the, the the one other thing, yeah, the composition and the blocking of it is Good. is subtle but very thoughtful and uh yeah, the intimate scenes are done in this in this way that is like your it, it f- you feel like such a voyeur and it mm. feels so you know like sex scenes can be it's the sex, sex is sex very sexy can be, yeah, but very sec- real sex yeah. scenes can be so can be more explicit even than this but lack any sense of emotion. it understands what and these ones are so vital and it understands know, what what, what is sexy it understands what is sexy actually mm. and it's like it, it 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 in a way that's it's hard to watch the right way it draws you into it's what these people real, are feeling. I think, yeah. yeah, and you really f- you feel the intensity of people through through their bodily interactions. I suppose that's a very cold way of putting it, but like, yeah, it's great. It's such a good film. Number two for you, or what's your number three? Uh, my number three. Oh no, you did number three. That was no, 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 I didn't. No, no, no. The, 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 so my number three is uh, Zone of Pinterest by Oh Jonathan Glazer. Yeah. yeah. Now we did do an extremely long review of this. So should we just point people towards? Yeah. Uh, the the review that we did online. We'll say again, like I, I I still think even now it's a really extraordinary film, formally really interesting. It has its faults. Like, um, mm-hmm. do I want it to be number two, three on my list? Yeah, maybe not. Like, I, I didn't like the ending. I didn't like the 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 re- the translocation to out beyond out beyond the camp. I thought it was a real misstep. Oh, weirdly, I like that a lot, but 
didn't rate it as high. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, it's on my right. list at number 10, but it's not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I, I, you know, I, I thought it was so, so well realized. Um, at the, I thought the sound design was extraordinary. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was just a fantastic film. I really, I really, really did. Um, I think it will distribute in the UK widely. Will, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be really popular, and I think I, I think he's having his moment. Um, Glazer can be relied upon. He can't be relied upon to make films frequently. No, not at he all. Definitely um, can be relied upon to make films interestingly. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, this is no exception. Really, a uh, very engaging, exciting film. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a film that deals with um, the best way of putting it is very often we watch historical films about important issues uh, like Killers of the Flower Moon, for instance, that are made in such a painfully um, uh, cliche and dogmatic uh, sort of dog, like yeah. sort of dogmatically perfect fashion mm. that they end up saying nothing at all, really, even mm. though they want to say a huge amount. And Zone of Interest takes a very different and quite idiosyncratic approach to a sort of matter which has been tackled ca- the Holocaust. countless times the Holocaust yeah it knows it has to um, it cannot approach this thing direct front on yeah it and it creates, a, it creates a um, unique uh, um, a unique insight via this formal approach which is basically this kind of cool clinical documentary mm. digital uh, rendition of some of the more humdrum aspects of the people who made the Holocaust happen mm. yeah uh, yeah that's probably the best way of talking about it uh, uh, so that's your number three uh, I'll go to my number two which is a film you haven't seen. Uh, oh, it's but it's also a very short film. <laughs> uh, is it Pedro Costa? It's Pedro Costa's mm. Doors of the Fire, which is his proof of concept short for a feature that he will hopefully make soon next year, maybe the year after. Uh, it's a kind of musical, basically. It's a triptych. Uh, it's it feels like a film made on a different like realm or galaxy. It's 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 even though mm. it's kind of evoking the the mountains of Cape Verde. Which are frequent, um, uh, frequent. Um, there are characters, and sometimes co- an absent work. character for for these Costa Fontanhas. Exactly. Like we, we often we see them sometimes, and their characters, you know, emotionally refer to these places, but we don't see them loads. But they are the secondary character to the Fontanhas district. Exactly. And, um, I think sometimes an artist will sort of gesture towards a new realm. I think there are artists. Mm. Yeah. When you when you when you know an artist is moving in a new direction and trying a different style. And this feels like, okay, the next chapter of Pedro Costa's career mm. is going to look like this. Um, that's It's just very exciting. Mm. And it's, all, it's just nine minutes and it just tells you, okay, strap in for, uh, you know, a new... Uh, coming off of Vitalina Varela, which is a masterpiece, mm. uh, he's now going in a quite a... It's Costa on coffee. <laughs> he's inflamed. He's, uh, <laughs> yes, mm. very good opening. I don't want to speak at too much length about a film that only lasts nine minutes, and yeah. also we did review it on the pod in greater length. But there we are. That's my number two. Your number two? Victor Eindhoven's Close Your Eyes. Amazing. Amazing moment in LFF where we uh, got to see new films from two esteemed mm. Iberian Peninsula directors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, s- the Spaniards are back. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Well, the, 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 yeah, the Iberians are so back. Um, um, yes, close your eyes. 31 f- years we wait for a new Victor Elite film um, and it arrives and it's mm. this glistening, strange, very uncanny, really compelling, really cathartic examination of absence and loss and trauma um, shot in a way that was really surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh Wrong footsteps. So it does everything that like Trink Lao Quen and, and Citarella is trying to do with these kind of dog legs and hairpin mm. bends and these changes mm. in situation. Everything she's trying to do, you know, Victor Arithe just masters, just finesses, mm. like completely fucking finesses. Mm. It looks extraordinarily weird experience being in front of it. Like mm. it's very odd. It feels special. It felt reverential. It's like listening to, you know, it's like being in fucking... You know, if it's, it's like being in a cathedral, listening to a you know, in an aria or a prayer or something. Mm. It's very strange. It's very reverent and odd film for me. I loved it. it, it it's mm. a slow burner. It's about three yeah. hours. It um, Big. it has uh, it has a sort of multiple. It has a, f- a film within a film again. Mm. <laughs> Huge theme emerging. Um, but it is really like so many of Victor Arifo's films. It's about the magic of cinema or the magic of creation in general. Yeah, Spirit of the Beehive famously hinges on a young girl watching Frankenstein. Yeah, um, and then you know. um, Elsa has a cinema scene. Quinstry's son is about a painter. You know, painter, there's a, yeah. there's something about like the magic of creation and mm. cinema and reproduction that that really um, 
always appears in in Victoria's work. I always find it like funny with Victoria because he sits around, he doesn't make that many films. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. kind of get this person. You know, he he really like watches a lot of films. I think he's a real cineast. Yeah, he's yeah. sitting there and he'll be watching films for, like 15, 20 years yeah. and be like, "Damn, this shit's good. I need to make a film <laughs> yeah, about this. Yeah. This is great." And then kind of makes just each time makes a fucking arresting. It's funny. It's like Martin Scorsese watches a lot of films and learns yeah. fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Victor Lutte watches a lot of films yeah, and learns yeah. everything. He learns everything. He's really It's a very modern film um, and it's a film that takes so on modern. takes on board like where we've what we've like what visual culture is now. Yeah, is yeah now. this is yeah. why it's so exciting because you think okay there's this grand old boy and he's 18 and he's going to mm. and the film actually starts with being shot in film mm. and it's a historical epic kind yeah. of film and you think oh it's just going to be this and you think oh interesting this feels like a, this is your which your is done very well by the done way. very yeah. well and you think oh this is your grandma's film and then you know within half an hour we're in flat light digital and we're in, we're a, in a film TV, TV studio. studio right and in a, in a kind of banal office and you're like whoa okay okay yeah, this guy's yeah. actually doing something uh Interesting. He's he's actually aware of what media consumption and reception is now, and he's aware of these things. It's um, one of the best final films. It's like that yeah. al- that Leonard Cohen album, you, you Want It Darker. It has the real gravitas yeah. of, a, of, a, of a veteran bowing out. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like Johnny Cash with the American yeah, recordings. Yeah, yeah. People at the end of their career, you know, but he's, yeah, he's always been great. I mean, don't know if it's his last film. He might make something true, else. True, 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 um, true, true. So we're not writing him off yet. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. And that is actually out... Um, is it out this Friday or I no, think it's no, out no, soon? No, uh, it's out soon though. But new, new Wave Films. It's in April. It's out in April next okay, year. Okay. Yes, it's in the UK. It's going to be out in cinemas. New Wave Films next mm-hmm. year, which means it'll probably go to Pitch House. Yeah. Um, so you will be able to see this everywhere. Yes, you yeah. will. Um, so um, we now come to our number one, uh, which it will be little surprise to those of you who listen to this podcast avidly that our number one is the same film. We have mm. a shared number one. Um, it is do not expect too much of the end of the world <laughs> by, by Radu Jude, Jude. Uh, um, Romanian director again it's a longie it's about three hours yeah, yeah um, it's, long film. It's, it's nominally about the production of an industrial safety film films uh, are films again. but it is also about yeah. a, a kind of film about cab drivers from Romania in the 1980s um, mm. It's a film about sort of about the gig economy, sort of about. But the thing, um, the, the thing with Radu Jude is he he manages to make his have all these little potted abouts in his films. Mm-hmm. There's always these little abouts, you know, the way that Bad Luck Banging was about cancel culture. But it is never those things. It's yeah, never yeah, reducible yeah, yeah. to those things. I, I mean, maybe my problem with Bad Luck Banging is it sort of was a bit too abouty in that regard. Yeah, but I maybe. take your point. Yeah, yeah. I think there's well, a he, more the, interesting. You're absolutely right with regards to this yeah. film. He really there's a, yeah. There's a more interesting thing here about like what it is to watch a film mm-hmm. what it is to um what it's to work actually what it's it is film to about work. labor, in labor a, in yeah, a mass, yeah. In, but not in a it's like there all the time but it's not like it's not it's not dogmatic the, it's but the, it is the stark. ideological construction of labor mm. the idea of labor i think is what mm. animates this film you know so there's so many references there's so it's just it's great because he brings symbolism back there's mm. great symbols they're kind of red herrings in a lot of ways great gags great sight amazing jokes amazing sight gags like the the copy of uh capital but yeah. the wrong capital. Capital. Um, Ke- Kenny Goldsmith's Kenny capital. Goldsmith's book on the on the on the yeah. table of the kind of uh, capitalist, the yeah. the Walt or delivery drivers cycling yeah. through the cemetery. Uh, its ability to shift media really well, like a CEO entering a Zoom call and saying one word. I mean, mm. there's just like there's just so much. Uh, you know, it's the kind of biting satire of our times that Ruben Ostlin continually sort of fails. I mean, he kind of got it with the because he's too middle but of the road. Like, it's yeah. too. It, you know, it's it's genuinely it's satire. That's genuinely not liberal satire. That genuinely like, like looks things dead smart. in the eyes. It's like smart. Know. And what he does is he's like he's basically doing de- he's deconstructing or he's like chopping and screwing mm-hmm. with media formats. So and elevates them to really interesting places. You know, it's very normal now for to, to watch a film and someone's on the phone mm-hmm. and we get a close up of them on the phone and it you know we're kind of zoomed in a bit like I feel like rotting in the mm-hmm. sun does it a lot and it's fine. Fuck rotting in the sun. Rotting in the sun. Um, Fuck, that's my honourable mention. Okay, you can we can come back oh, to that. Uh, shit. But like, what he d- what what Radu Dude does here is he like makes so he estranges these things and he mm-hmm. tra- tra- treats them like kind of textural objects and materials mm-hmm. that he can sculpt. So, you know, we get mm-hmm. to see Zoom calls in black and white that are kind of zoomed in a bit, so it explodes them and brings out all the fabric and material yeah. of the digital, the lossiness of digital. Mm-hmm. He's really good at like punching through his source material really well. One of the character, you know, the cab driver character, you know, her 
she she has this kind of alter ego of this kind of Andrew Tate like oh, loudmouth, which are um, in color, which are in color, and the rest of the film is in black and white. Uh, Except the color film from the eighties. There's all these different yeah. like layers, and then the film that they make in the end. It's like it's such a, a toy box. And then there's this amazing coheres. bit about road accidents. I mean, it just it's mm. genuinely postmodern in a way that is utterly mm. without pretense. Um, yeah, it's like a postmodern film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's all it's, sudden Yang or something like that. It's a total yeah. It's a real response to our times that is is it has none of the kind of worthy, uh, pathetic um, banalities that so many films which claim to be do. Um, a real masterpiece and also kind of a historic film of a film we all look back on and say this was an innovation in cinema I feel and mm. Radio Jude has been working up to that in his career this isn't something mm. completely new for him but I think it's Barbarians like kind of led up yeah, to this, yeah, like Mang, it's, also this like the best it's also real fun to watch yeah, as well I would recommend this to, to, to like it's, a great it's not like a you know Victor Arithe you might say okay it's a bit of a serious one you know kind of gird your loins for this but I think um it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think because it refracts our own times and speaks mm. to our own times in interesting ways. Uh, not only saying relatability is is an essential criterion for a film being good. I'm not saying that at all. Quite the opposite, often. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's very relatable. So that was our top ten. Um, a quick honourable mention of Rotting in the, the sun, sun, just so people know that I. I that uh, Sebastian Silva. Sebastian Silva. Yeah, it yeah. was um, another film about filmmaking. Yeah, um, it's on. we never reviewed it. Uh, it came out on movie. It's good. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's very funny. Um, it's quite tragic. It's oh. uh, it, it, it uses it uses the sort of, again a bit like the Redditude. It kind of uses the um, incidentalness of the of the kind of like digital sphere. Mm. Um, it doesn't go hard enough in the way that um, there's like an influencer character who's a bit vapid. For yeah, example, yeah, yeah. we get to see them. A bit, whereas Raddy Jew's like, okay, that's interesting, but how can I take this a little bit yeah, further? Yeah, Raddy Jew makes the vapidness sympathetic, mm. uh, whereas I think in in um, in Rotting in the Sun, you're it's meant annoying. you're meant to just find him annoying ultimately, yeah, yeah. even though you he becomes the protagonist. Anyway, we won't. Mm. You can't, it's hard for us to talk about it without spoiling, and I wouldn't want to spoil it, so no, no. we won't say very much. But yes, that was our top ten. Um, I think we've got enough like like bits from what we said about the films without needing to summarize it again but mm. should we just figure out what our aggregate um yeah i think we're, we're, we're i think we're both in agreement it's got to be raddy jude raddy jude is number one i think victor Ethe has got to be in that top five um oh, no yeah hold on hold on hold on i've just lost my 10 okay um yes yeah, so uh so do not expect too much of the world of the world. Yeah, they have to. They have to be all all five have to be films that are in both our lists. So unfortunately, Sweet East, mm. which I think Owen would really love, can't be in the list because he didn't see it. So there's a bit of an incidentalness yeah, exactly. uh, to it. So Passages, I think we definitely both liked. Would I put Passages in my top five though? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm not sure. A fire sure. definitely. A fire definitely. Okay. Victor Arite definitely. Okay. Um, but there's some compromises will have to happen, right? Well, so we'll have to compromise. Um, uh, this like is. Uh, Raddy Jude, so that's three. So Fire. We got, so we want two more. Fuck. I'm going to go out to bat for passages. Okay, I, I see your passages and fine. <laughs> I concede. Um, um, so one more. I guess it would have to be Zone of Interest. This is this is like it was at my top. It was at number. Yeah, 10. I think Zone of Interest is uh, like if we're if we're if the point is we're saying these are five films. That I think you know if you're going to go to the cinema next year, mm-hmm. and, you know. And you think, what shall I watch? Mm-hmm. I think if you go to see any of these five films, I mean, Patches is already distributed in cinemas, yeah. but if you're thinking of what to watch at home on a Saturday night and you want to put, it'll be on, it's oh, on did, movie. did you want One Fine Morning? I think this is more of a good range, though, isn't it? Zone, uh, of, zone of Interest, Close Your Eyes, A Fire, Passages, Do Not Expect Too Much from the Interval. Yeah, and then the sixth might be One Fine Morning because it's yeah, slaps. But we have, to do, um, we have to do five. So for the, for the TikTok, for the TikTok, TikTok, five films that we think you absolutely must see mm. from the year 2023. Number five, Zone of Interest by Jonathan Glazer. Number uh, four, four, A Fire. No, no. Number four, well, Passages, maybe, by Iris Sachs. Number four, Passages mm. by Iris Sachs. And then we'll cut to like yeah. us talking about it. Number um, three, A Fire by Christian Petz. Wait, no, yeah. close your, I'll do Close Your Eyes, number three. Close, say, number three, number three. Close Your Eyes by Victor Arite. And then number two, A Fire by Christian Petzold. And then number one will be "Do Not Expect Too Much of the End of the World" by Raddy Jude. So that's the that's the five. That's the that's list. The, that's we'll your cut that together. Mix. That will yeah. be the TikTok. Um, that um, was 2023. That was Return to Form. Uh, we extend our huge gratitude to all listeners and viewers mm. of this podcast. It's been a bumper year for us. Yeah, um, strange year. 
um, tell your friends. Camera. I think we 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 have a thing where we don't promote this enough, and it's a lot of work, <laughs> and we're very yeah. proud of it. Yeah, um, yeah, and I I feel that there's an audience out there amongst art house film fans um, who want uh, raw, honest, uh, and we like to think informed uh, yeah. content about films, and you know, without being like. You know, uh, not to call out names, but you know, we're not being like boring and sudish about like sort of like we're not like Criterion nerds. We're not, you know, we're yeah. not talking about transfers and ratios and you know, you know, the quality of Blu-ray releases. We're not. But neither we're are we talking about identity politics. Identity we're, politics. We're, we're, we're the we're the we're the center ground. <laughs> we are the we are no, yeah we're, we're the center ground. Just, and the center will hold. We feel we have um, integrity in how we talk about film, and we are very yeah. passionate about keeping film going as a. As I just a, love the movies, form. man. Yeah, and we are both filmmakers. Did you see this thing? So the letterboxed um, sort of doorstepped a, a load of celebrities. I'm bringing a bit of discourse into the chat. Oh, yeah, yeah, So they letterboxed a, a sort of, you know, award ceremony of a sort of doorstepped load of celebrities and asked celebrities to give their top four films. Right. Historically. Historically. And it's so interesting to, and I don't want to get into a discussion about, you know, spectatorship and consumption now and kind of the collective stupefaction of the mm -hmm. viewing public, even though I think it's happening. Um but it was really interesting because all of these actors gave really interesting fours, you know, sort of like uh, Willem Dafoe and stuff. You know, you've, you, and I think um, they they were calling out, you know, Fellini and they were calling out, you know, uh, Bunuel and all of these interesting directors. And then the response um, was this agog belief. Uh, you know, people in the letterbox comments sort of saying... Uh, it's always like, you know, these celebrities are asked about their favorite films, you know, they always go for the most pretentious films no one's ever heard mm -hmm. of. And it's like, I really want to fight that belief that just because a film is an art house film that has limited distribution is, mm -hmm. is, is important, mm -hmm. is not enjoyable, is not, you know, as we've seen, a, a film like Trink Thou Ken is aware of its own importance and that mm -hmm. hampers it. Whereas a film like, you know, Radu Jude or someone can make something that's so funny and engaging and could be a series broken up on on Netflix, and people would really enjoy this stuff. You know, I'm not I'm not that bothered about expanding audiences. You know, people like film or they don't. I don't really care. But I think it's I would hope that people don't you know have have the the POV on like serious filmmaking. That serious filmmaking mm. has to have no jouissance and can't be fun and can't be cathartic and emotionally riveting. Like Mia Hansen Love is emotionally riveting or Iris Sachs. You know, these are. I, I, yeah, it's, I, I kind of want to make that point. I don't know what that is. It's just no, wrapping. I, I think I think for me uh, to uh, to build on that, there's there have been like art house par excellence films mm. like like a fire, like passages. This isn't to den denigrate them at all because we put them in our in our ultimate top five. Mm. Um, but then the films that have really like done something different in a way that goes down in film history mm. that marks them out as films of 2023 and not in a sort of tokenistic topical way but just like mm. they are responding to our image culture and and doing yeah, things that's, that's a crucial doing thing things, responding to yeah, our image culture and doing things in, in like that we haven't seen before in mm. film history i think zone of interest falls into that category i think um uh rotting in the sun to an extent i think sweet east definitely mm. um and uh, i think definitely definitely uh, do not expect too much at the end of the world does yeah. that and that's probably why partly why uh along with it being great fun as you said mm. <laughs> it's our number one film of the year um so yeah yeah in remarkably high spirits and now we will celebrate your birthday yes we will celebrate yeah, my we're birthday gonna, we're gonna on um, a high yeah we're oh, and the worst film of the, the worst film of the year was past lives we won't. Go yeah, into yeah, huge yeah. Past lives, <laughs> massive raspberry, yeah, yeah. Uh, zero percent tomatoes. Exactly. Uh, disgusting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps us up. I think. Much love. Um, um, peace out. See you next year for more films. See you in the cinema. Mm, bye.